0: Welcome, everybody, to the Badass Ladies Club Podcast. I'm Laurie Wallace, and I'm here with my friend, Jessica Weckerlin. Hey, y'all. Episode two, y'all. We're so excited. (laughs) So do us a favor. Get out there. Get on Apple Podcasts download our uh, episodes, subscribe, Spotify, anywhere that you listen to podcasts. We want you guys to listen. We want your feedback. We want to hear about what you want to talk about, what you want us to talk about. Uh, Let's get engaged because this whole idea around Badass Ladies Club is that this is a community, right? We are working together so that way we can support one another and grow and evolve and heal. And uh, we're just so excited that everything is already moving so well and uh, we're glad to be here. So
1: welcome guys. Yay! All right y'all, so let's start with our badass of the week. Badass. badass. Our badass of the week this week is one of my dearest friends, Julie Murphy. For those of you who do not know who Julie Murphy is, she is a badass author. Um She's one badass lady, that's for sure. For sure. She um, wrote Dumplin', if any of you are familiar with Dumplin'. It was a novel she wrote. um, She's a young adult author. She wrote Dumplin' and Netflix picked it up. It has Jennifer Aniston, and it's centered around this um, teenager who is obsessed with Dolly Parton, and it's about beauty pageants and that whole world and body positivity and loving the body you're in. And I just love her work. I think it's so good for young adults, especially young girls. I wish I had had someone like that um, when I was, you know, a young adult. Julie and I met actually when we were teenagers. We worked at the Parks Mall together. Wow. In Arlington. How long ago was that? (laughs) Um, I mean, I think I was... 16, 17 years old. So she had to be like 17 or 18. And yeah, we worked retail together. And now you're both all grown up being badasses doing your thing. I in life. know. I and so she's also a client of mine. I do her hair and I love it when she's in the salon. So one of the reasons that Julie comes to mind for me about
0: being a badass a week, badass of the week is that she is unapologetic about being 100% Julie and about supporting people in being who they are, you know? And Absolutely. It is a foundation at the Badass Ladies Club that you embrace who you are and that you run with it. And Julie embodies that. And The universe has rewarded her for it, you know, like she is in her flow. She's writing lots of she's written lots of books since Dumplin'. She is working on a lot of new projects right now. And we're just so excited for Julie and everything that she's doing. Honestly,
1: when we were talking about badasses of the week, Julie was the first one to come to mind. Totally. So uh, Julie has a badass box on the way. You got it,
0: girl. Okay, so uh, (laughs) trust me, you guys want a badass box, okay? It's going to have lots of really cool things in it, uh, T-shirts and hats and stickers. And just uh, thank you from us for being who you are and for promoting this uh, badass podcast that we got going on. So Julie
1: Murphy, Badass of the Week. And Julie, we want you to come on the podcast. We have some ideas, some things that we want to talk to you about. So Julie, if you're listening, I'm going to bug you about this. Honestly, you don't have a choice, Julie. You're coming on the
0: podcast <laughs> is what's about to happen. Um, so, yeah, we're excited to get Julie in here so we can talk more about what she's doing and ways that she's making this world more badass. So, right on,
1: It's very exciting. All right. So, let's get started. Um, this week's topic, oh, good
0: girls and bad girls. I mean, I got chills just now. I know,
1: <laughs> right? So, I think that society makes us choose. For sure. Definitely. Um,
0: the bad girl... Good girl complex is something that I don't know that I've ever met a woman who doesn't relate to this idea of the push pull in be a good girl or be a bad girl and what that means and how everybody has to embody one side or the other. Um, I thought it was funny because when we were prepping this episode, you and I kind of had a similar realization at the same time, almost that uh, we were indoctrinated into the good girl culture. A very young age with this whole, um, with something that I say to little people all the time when I leave them, which is be a good girl for your mom or be a good girl for your auntie. And that it always seems like something that you're doing to, it, it's like saying goodbye or kissing them on the forehead or whatever, right. you know, like I never heard what I was saying until I heard what I was saying.
1: Well, because that's basically telling our little girls, like, because otherwise you're bad. Yeah, you're bad already, so you better be good. Right. But, yeah.
0: <laughs> and th- that sends this message uh, that you're not okay just the way that you are and that you hear that repetitively your whole life growing up. So, right. Let's talk about how we, yeah. yes,
1: how we came to this realization. So back in 2015, Laurie and I had the opportunity and the privilege to attend Unleash the Power Within with Tony Robbins through our work. And, um, for those of you who don't know what Unleash the Power Within is, we call it UPW. Um, UPW is an all weekend, um, seminar. Yeah. It's Um, intense. Yeah. I think that Tony Robbins steers away from the motivational aspect because he doesn't really call himself like a motivational speaker Mm -hmm. or anything, Mm -hmm. but it is extremely motivational for anyone wondering. It's personal (laughs) growth and development. It is very personal growth and development. It digs deep. Like
0: you're forced to go places that you didn't realize were there, you know? And um it's intense, but it's healing. And it Tony really rolled off with this question that hit me in the core that said uh, let's see who did you have to be in order to receive love when you were a child yeah
1: and well and I think the original question that led into that question was which parent did you crave love from the most right not which parent did you love the most because obviously they're both your parents you love them both but which did you crave love the most right and who did you have to be to receive that love and I mean, I didn't even have to think about it. I knew immediately I had to be a good girl. Yes, Uh, I had to be a good girl for my mom. Right. You had to be a good girl for? For my
0: mom, for my dad, for my grandparents, for every, you know, like for my teachers, it was always be a good girl. But I can't like emphasize enough that it wasn't the words that landed. You know, it was this feeling that every time someone says that to you, that you question, oh my, am I not a good girl? was I not a good girl? What did I do that made me not a good girl in the first place? Um, so yeah, that didn't really land on me that I had to be good in order to receive love, which is crazy. You know, that right. I had never thought about that before 2015.
1: Yeah. And you know, it's like in those moments, especially in a place like UBW, when you're with these thousands of people all around the world, um, and you have this realization, I mean, it's intense and emotional. And I find it funny, though, that that happened back in 2015. And we didn't even have this discussion till this year, five mm-hmm. years later. No. It took that long to settle in. It, anyway. yes, it took that long for us to be like, what was your answer?
0: Whoa. Whoa, good girl. Yeah. Well, and we're both very alike in respect that we are motivated by praise. Absolutely. And so, yeah, the motivation to be good came that we were praised when you are good, you know? And so as soon as I realized that that was going to get me the attention, the validation, the affection that I was looking for, well then full speed ahead, good girl is what I was, you know, even if I didn't feel good about being a good girl, or Mm -hmm. maybe if my inclination was to not be a good girl, I was totally willing to play the part for as long as I can remember. There's never a time that I think back that I wasn't willing to play this role of being the good girl um in order to get that validation or to get that affection that I was looking for.
1: Well, and I think that for young girls and maybe even young boys too, it's very easy from early on to learn how to adapt to your surroundings and to be whatever you need to be in that situation. Right. Um whatever that situation calls for. But you know, um so, yes, my answer at UPW was I had to be a good girl for my mom. And I want to be clear. Like, my mom is a total badass, badass awesome yeah. lady. Um, You know, she is everything that I want to be when I grow up. And I'm 33 years old. And I'm still like, I want to be like my mom. But I grew up idolizing her in a way because you know, I don't want to say like my dad was a bad kid. He definitely wasn't, but he was a rebellious kid in the seventies, you know? And, um, I feel like my mom and dad were just like night and day when they tell me stories of when they were younger and that, you know, my dad was just this kid who rode his bike and played baseball and, you know, got into some trouble here and there and, you know, did normal rebellious kid things but my mom didn't. And I felt like, I just always felt that I had to live up to that because she was my mom. And maybe it's because she's a girl and I'm a girl, or like, you know, I don't know what the attachment was there that I felt like I had to follow my mom's footsteps rather than my dad's. But, you know, listening to stories of my mom, Being the homecoming queen or, well, she wasn't homecoming queen. She was nominated for homecoming court. But in my mind, my mom was like the homecoming queen, you know, (laughs) and that my mom was this really beautiful, quiet girl that never got in trouble and everyone had nothing but awesome things to say about her and that she was always quiet, polite. I would even venture to say submissive, you know, and that I just felt like. If I didn't follow that path, that I would not be worthy of her love, which is in hindsight, absolutely ridiculous. Because now that I'm a mother, like there is nothing that my daughter could do that would, Mm -hmm. you know, have me be like, I don't love you anymore. And of course, my mom and I have a really great relationship. And so I know that there's really nothing that I could do to not be worthy of my mother's love. But that's the intensity That I want to get across with this good girl, bad girl thing.
0: Well, and it, it puts you in a space from a very young age that when you're a kid, you don't have, uh, the brain capacity to organize all of these feelings and thoughts, you know? So you just grasp a hold of something. We have never really talked about it and I didn't really think about it until I was just listening to you now. It's funny because my parents are kind of the opposite. Really? Like (laughs) my dad was, he graduated from college and he got a job and worked in the same job for, you know, his whole career and worked his way up the ladder and he did really great and he retired early. And so I had this picture of like my dad's good guy image, you know, where he checked all the boxes and he did all the things like you're supposed to do them in life and has... great success to show for it, you know, and I was always so proud of all of that. And my mom is kind of like the rebellious one and does everything her own way and also has great success to show that for, but did it against the grain, you know, and did it, um, in a way that was not a uh, conventional method of uh, achieving success. And even today, you know, like they are so different people. Mm-hmm. They are, um, but they're <laughs> they both are. so badass in yes. their own way. But it's funny cause I had just never thought about that, that your dad was kind of the rebellious one and your mom was kind of like the quiet, good one. And my parents are like totally the reverse of that. That's like, so funny. Yeah. Um, and also the flip on the UPW, you know, like Mm -hmm. I did really crave attention from my dad, but I wonder how much of that was because he embodied that good person, uh, space for me and that the message was always to be a good girl. Um, something else that I think is so funny about this good girl, bad girl complex is that I am not a a human I'm not a mother to a human baby, but I have had several fur babies. And I remember my epiphany where we train dogs almost kind of the same way that we train toddlers Mm. and that I, when I would first start to train dogs, you know, somewhere in my mid twenties, I got this idea where you reward them with good boy or good girl, you know? And then when my friends started to have babies And I would tell them what a good boy or a good girl they would, it would like hit this nerve in me where I would be like, they're not a dog, Laurie. Like this is an actual person (laughs) that you're supposed to. That's so so
1: funny. I've never made that connection.
0: And I was really, uh, hypersensitive that my friends who had babies would be like, don't talk to my kid, like your dog, you know, like, and that it was, and that that's so strange to me that we treat animals like almost the same way that we treat little people, you know, growing them. And it's, really changed the way that I try and talk to the little's in my life, you know, and even today for as much as you and I have talked about the good girl bad girl complex, I still catch it in my throat as it's coming out my mouth. I'm like, <gasps> Laurie, I did you it just said it, it. this
1: morning, I Laurie. I did it this morning. I dropped my kid <clears throat> off and she was being a 4-year-old. Yeah. I'll say that much. <laughs> it was a rough morning and You know, she was crying and she was being a little rebellious. I mean, let's say she's your child. She is my child. Um, So, of course, she has to act the exact opposite (laughs) of how I was when I was a kid. But um, sometimes I don't know how to handle it. And so when I was leaving her this morning, I said, be a good uh, listener today. (laughs) You know, like I really try. I really, really try to not say the. Be a good girl mm-hmm. because she is a good girl. Right. She is. Obviously, she, like, she's the best. Right. She is inherently a wonderful kid. And I shouldn't have to, you know, um like get it out of her. You need to you reinforce know? that. Right. Like, I don't yeah. need to reinforce that. <clears throat> And, you know, I mean, I do believe in praising her, you know, when she is good, um, of course, but I've been
0: trying to change my narrative and you're so good at this with her, where you guys have these affirmations
1: that you do. We do our daily affirmations.
0: I try really hard to say, and 99% of the time it does not come out like this, but in my head, when I'm thinking about it, I'm like, okay, be kind today, be brave today, you know, Mm -hmm. like instead of be good today, Mm um, listen to your mom, you know, like listen to your game, those kinds of, uh, things because I think so often, not just for girls, but for all kids, so much of their identity is wrapped up in who they are. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: They're good or they're bad. But I love this idea that you're kind or you're brave or you're wise or you're smart. You know, like that, that's the first thing I want you to know is important to me as, um, an adult in your life is that you're kind, not that you're good. Because sometimes we're not good. Like, right. sometimes we're bad, and that all humans have that experience, and that's part of it. And so, to give kids this opportunity to know you're not always gonna be good, and I'm okay with that because I'm here mm-hmm. with you, you know, and I'm not always good either. And when we can widen that perspective on the most important thing for me is that you're kind. Exactly. And that you're brave and that right. you're true to
1: you. Right. So, Adelaide and I start every morning off with. I am smart, I am beautiful, I am brave, I am worthy, I am loved. That's our five affirmations that we say every morning um, because, and this kind of goes off topic a little bit, but also to little girls, everyone says, oh, you're so so pretty, you're so pretty. And I'm just like, she's also smart. Right. She's also brave. She's also, you know, so many other things. I don't want her growing up with you know like i did you know being worried about my looks and everything so um but that's probably for another episode but totally. um but pretty is also subjective yeah because there are lots of things that
0: traditionally you know growing up and being a pretty little girl or i remember at church growing up, I had to sleep in the pink sponge rollers on Saturday night, you know, so my hair oh, would yes, be nice and fro-ish rollers. on Sunday morning. Yes, And all of the little old ladies at church would tell me how pretty I was and how beautiful my curly blonde hair was. When in retrospect, all I could think about was the agony of sleeping <laughs> in the pink sponge rollers and the fights that my mom and I got into as she pulled them tangled out of my hair the next they morning, terrible. you know, and so being pretty at church was really like this agony pain response for me because it hurt to be that pretty, you know, and, but that was what was most important. And so all of those messages, I think about so much now as a grown lady, with Yes. Those children. yes. Um, which kind of leads us into, you know, as a child, what did you think was important about this good girl, bad clip? bad girl complex, I really connect to this idea that the image of a good girl shifted as I got older. Oh, yeah. um, and when you move in from like elementary school into junior high or even high school, a lot of times, then there becomes this image of what the bad girl really is. Because as a child, you know, I would think about bad girls were girls who broke the rules or did what they weren't supposed to, you know, like it was all... Behavioral, mm-hmm. but when I got a little bit older, I realized it was also very visual to be a bad girl. Yes, and that bad girls looked different than good girls did. It was everything visual, physical, yes. uh, attitude, and that bad girls were revered in a way that good girls couldn't really access. You know, like if you could be bad and you could do that well, that that got you a different kind of status in that age range, and so. I remember the realization when I was the good girl with my family or, like I said, at church or in those circles, but that being the bad girl at school, um, that's when I really put on the two different faces. You know, like I could be a good girl in this medium and I could be a bad girl mm-hmm. in this medium. And both of those things rewarded me in different ways. You just adapted to what the situation called for. Yes. And then as an adult, man, it hits hard, so hard (laughs) to me that I am really good at this now, you know, like there is, I'm a pro I can be whoever you need me to be in whatever aspect, you know, in order to achieve whatever my goal is at the time. Mm -hmm. And I learned that in junior high that, you know, I was, a I uh, I was a cheerleader and I was on Palm squad and I had football player boyfriends and I did all of that. Um, but then this really serious shift came <clears throat> where I wanted to be dark or I wanted to be a little bit scary, you know, like I wanted the attention. Um, but I wanted people to think that I was Ass, you know, and uh, tough and that that bad girl image had a lot of respect tied to it that the good girl image did not have, mm-hmm. you know, like the good girls did whatever you wanted them to do. The bad girls did whatever they wanted, you know, and that was um, a really weird juxtaposition for me, you know, when I started to realize that I kind of had to be both in different circumstances to get what it was that I was going for.
1: Yeah, I, I could totally relate to that. So a little bit about my background. So I grew up in a Catholic school system. I went to Catholic school from first to eighth grade. So talk about good girls. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I'm incredibly grateful for my education and how I grew up in a smaller surrounding because everybody knew everybody. So it was very like family, like very comfortable, you know, um, we it were, was the same class every year, too, wasn't it? So you didn't, like, change classes. Yeah, you we're had the same right, crew like every year. There were two homerooms of right. 25 kids each. So right. literally your class of kids was about 50 kids, give or take. So when you grow up, you know, eight years plus for some people, you know, in one school, like you, you get to know each other and you get to be very comfortable, but there's also no room for acting out really, because it's like, you could see it happening before it even happens. <laughs> <This is bad. laughs> so, you know, I think that growing up in the Catholic school system, you know, we're being indoctrinated into this patriarchal society where it's very, you know, women are submissive yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, which, for the record, I don't think is a bad thing to teach your children to have manners. But I'm saying, like, as an attitude, you know, that I just felt that it was very um, patriarchal and submissive. It was nothing that I ever really connected to, but I didn't know anything else. So, you know, by the time I, um, you know, got to high school, I went to a public high school, you know, which totally changed the game because I went to one of the bigger high schools in the area. You know, I went from a class of 50 kids to a class of a thousand, you know, like, and then I'm able to wear whatever I want. I don't have a uniform and what does this mean for me? And, you know, and that's when I started learning that, wait, the purpose of being a woman isn't to procreate and make more Catholic babies. I can what? do something else. Like, I can do something oh else gosh. with my life. That's amazing. <laughs> so, you know, but high school, when I got into um, high school is definitely when I first spotted the bad girls, you know, because I never was around that before then. It's so interesting because you're
0: actually the only Catholic schoolgirl I know like firsthand. Mm-hmm. And I always had this image that Catholic schoolgirls were way worse than like people who didn't go to Catholic Maybe school in you high know? school. Like, okay. Yeah,
1: like all my friends that continued on to Catholic high school. Right. Um, there were definitely things going on. And I won't name names or schools here, <laughs> of but, um, you know, I plead the fifth on that one. <laughs> but yeah, there were definitely like good girls that I grew up with who got pregnant in high school. I mean, it happens, you know, or got on drugs or, you know, whatever, whatever bad, bad. And I'm doing like air quotes there. (laughs) Bad kids do. But, um, you know, what else is funny
0: is like, we're obviously girls. So we're talking about the lady experience part of this, but I noticed, um, several years back that my husband who is five years older than I am, um, you know, when you're, 42, five years difference isn't such a big deal. But like when I was 16, um, five years, he would have been 21 Mm -hmm. Um, and that he is exactly the kind of guy that my parents were like oh no like you <laughs> oh, will, no, no do no. not hang out with those kinds of guys those boys only want one thing like he rode a skateboard he listened to rap music he was you know like he was driving around in a like a lowrider nissan trunk thumping through the neighborhood you know like he was <laughs> the quintessential laura you better not hang out with that kind of guy which and, for
1: the record he would totally be the kind of guy that we as good girls would
0: probably Oh, I was you, obsessed with yes, guys like him, you know, like, hang out which with, is why absolutely. I know my parents were like, absolutely not, right. you know, because no anytime way. they saw me hanging with people like that, they were like, uh, uh-uh. uh. Um, <laughs> and how funny it is that that's obviously not who he is today. Yeah. But all of these years later that I ended up meeting that guy, you know, and uh, that we've been together for so long is so funny to me where it's kind of like, haha, I wasn't supposed to hang out with you when I was 16, but now in my forties, <laughs> I totally got me a bad boy and it worked out great.
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Talking about like your parents killing you. You know, um, I, I remember seeing bad girls in high school and being jealous, Yes, but not in a way of like, I want to do those things. Cause I, I'll I'll be honest. I was never really interested in like drugs or anything like that. But I just remember, I think being jealous of the attitudes they had and they walked with this confidence in this. They had this air about them that I was just like, I wouldn't mess with her Mm-mm. in a million years. And I wanted to be that good girl or that bad girl kind of persona. And so when you were talking earlier about how there was a side of you that wanted to be darker mm-hmm. and wanted that attention, That's when like I went out and got a job at Hot Topic, you know, and that's when I I wouldn't say I went completely goth or anything. But that's when I started listening to rock music and I had platform boots with buckles on them and girl, you know, I went totally goth. Okay, like (laughs) I wore
0: gloves up to my elbows. I wore all the black lipstick when people would like hide their kids behind them at the (laughs) mall when we'd walk by each other. I was like victory fist pump, you know, like I liked that negative attention to and you know extent.
1: what even as an adult I still feel that yes um because if you guys ever see me in person um especially during winter time I have my leather studded jackets <laughs> yep. I have my studded boots that I notice that when I'm in public men don't mess with me when I'm nope. wearing those things yeah. um but when I'm wearing let's say a tank top and jeans you know mm-hmm. and it's like a summer day you know Um, I noticed like, oh yeah, getting catcalls and, you know, all that way more than when I'm dressed as a bad girl. Well,
0: and this goes to the heart of the good girl, bad girl complex, because good girls are a target.
1: Mm -hmm. Good girls are easy
0: to push over bad girls. You don't mess with, you know, like bad girls have respect for themselves. Bad girls are willing to go there. You know, um, when you talk about like what you saw out of bad girls in high school, when you were looking at them and that kind of envy, all I can remember is that they were free. Oh my gosh. Bad girls are free to do whatever they want to do whenever they feel like doing it. And they do not worry about what the outside world's perspective of that is. They just behave and they just act. And that was so far from my reality as I was growing up. Right.
1: Absolutely. Because I mean, gosh, I just remember watching them and thinking, I could never do what they do. No. My parents would, would kill, me. kill me. I'd be dead. Like I yeah. would be <laughs> dead. But, you know, and now that I look back on it as an adult, and again, this goes back to, you know, telling our kids to be good girls. I think I am inherently a good girl. To the core. Yes. To the core. Yes. I really am. I'm really not all that rebellious by nature. Nope. Um, but... I realized looking back on my high school years that I didn't do those bad girl things because I didn't want to try them or do them. It was mostly because I feared the repercussions, the repercussions and my mom and not being worthy of her love. It all ties together. And I, of course, like I said, I didn't have that, you know, realization until I was older, but you know, I, I remember my dad kind of giving me a little bit of wiggle room, you know, I would go to cast parties. I was a theater kid, so I would go to cast parties and my dad would be like, you know, call us if you drink. And I'm like, dad, I don't do that. You know, and he's like winking at me. Sure. You know, and like, so my dad gave me a little bit of wiggle room to kind of be a rebellious teenager, but I never took him up on it. Right. Um, And I think it's because I feared losing the trust of my parents.
0: You know, what's funny is I try and think about anything that really bad I did when I was growing up. Like, what is my memory of getting in trouble for those kinds of things? I was never, I mean, I got grounded, you know, when I acted out or whatever, but I never, and I remember some long drawn out, like put me into a coma kind of lectures that came with behaving badly or doing things I shouldn't do. But I also never remember... And we've talked about this too, that as far as childhood experience is concerned, I was so loved. You know, like I was never in a space <laughs> where anybody was ever like verbally, emotionally, right. physically abusive to me. Neither
1: one of us were like and, in abusive no, situation. I came from like a middle class, upper middle <laughs> class family where I
0: always had everything that I might have possibly needed or wanted. Right. Um, I had hard times, you know, like we struggled as a family, of course, you know, from here to there. But it's not like I have any hardcore childhood trauma to pull back from where I'm like, this is why I have a good girl, you know, bad girl complex. I never did anything so bad. Like once I remember at a baseball game, I was supposed to be back. I was going to go run around, you know, the stadium. I was supposed to be back by the seventh inning stretch. I didn't come back at the seventh inning stretch. Cause I was like making out with a guy under an umbrella. Um, <laughs> I don't even know how old I was when I did this, but when I was found about the ninth inning, um, like I was in big trouble. It was a really big deal. You know, I don't think that the guys were a whole lot older than I was, but I'm, I was probably like in ninth or 10th grade. Yeah. Um, And that was about as much trouble as I can ever remember being in. Uh, Oh yeah. I was with my mom and I'm pretty sure it was one of those things where she was like, you better be glad. I'm not going to tell your father about this, you know? And (laughs) I was devastated at the idea that my dad might find out that I was making out with boys underneath umbrellas um, at the baseball game. Sorry, dad. Uh, Sorry, Um, dad. So yeah.
1: Yeah. I have, I have one story of a time that I did go against what I knew was right and wrong. And so when I was 16, um, my best friend Jackie came over and we went to go hang out with my boyfriend at the time. And this was right when like cell phones came out and it was like, okay, for your kid to have a cell phone, right? Right. So, you know, um, I did have my cell phone with me, but that shit costs money. Yep. You know, <laughs> like it wasn't like today where you I could just a few like minutes, okay? text like... <laughs> and call all you want. But I remember that poor Jackie too, man, she wasn't even driving at the time. I had my license. She didn't. And we went over to my boyfriend's house one night just to hang out. And again, we were not doing anything. We weren't drinking. We weren't doing drugs. We were literally just hanging out, having a good time. And we stayed there till 3 30 in the morning. Ooh. And so Jackie and I rolled up to my house and my parents were livid. Obviously. Jackie's parents had to come pick her up. And Jackie got grounded, but I didn't. How did you get away with that? <laughs> so my mom was beyond furious, right? I so mean disappointed. Ooh because I had never done anything like that before. It was very uncharacteristic of me to do something like that. And I remember my dad just telling my mom, you know, let me handle it. Just let me handle it. And I remember my dad sitting me down and he just said, Jessica, do you understand, you know, why this is not a good situation? you know he explained to me like this could have happened that could have happened you didn't call we didn't know where you were you could have been dead in a ditch somewhere you know like taking me through all the things that could have possibly happened that were running through my parents mind that of course i never took into consideration because i was 16 years yeah. old and um he said do you understand the gravity of the situation and i said yep he said are you going to do it again and i said nope I and he was like right i will never <laughs> do this again because it was that fear of not being worthy of love right. you know and i was like oh shit i yeah, better I'm bad right but, yeah you know then oh no you know so um but doesn't
0: don't you like i connect so much to this idea and i've heard so many people say this nothing hurts worse than when one of your parents is like i am so disappointed in you Oh God! I mean, worst. it crushes your it little crush child's soul. soul in oh, a yeah. way that you just cannot bounce back from. And so to know that when you're doing something that you shouldn't be doing, that if you get caught, they would be so disappointed. Mm-hmm. It, that's a huge consequence as a kid. But what if you don't get caught? <laughs> right. What if There's you get away with it? You know, and that rush, man, like it is because, you know, you said you never had you, you didn't drink. You didn't like, well. I did. (laughs) I didn't do drugs in high school really, but definitely like in college, I experimented with all of that. And so the rush of doing the bad thing and getting away with it. And then everybody on the outside surface, still thinking that you're the good girl when you know that you have been doing the bad girl things all of a sudden, that was a really big, uh, it was more addictive for me than any kind of substance I could have done. You know, this idea that I could be both but that I had this quarantine of people that, you know, like thought I was the good girl. And then I had this section of people that knew I was the bad girl and that balancing all of that became this really cool limbo. And the idea that I might get away with it was enough to make me want to keep doing those things. And it was almost like a numbers game. I knew I'd probably get caught some of the time, (laughs) but most of the time I would not. Uh, My papa used to always tell me when I was little, baby, be good. And if you can't be good, well then don't get caught
1: what awesome advice it was the best
0: advice so awesome! and now that he's not here anymore like Uh, i'm so grateful that he gave me this perspective of you know he was also the bad boy growing up a lot of times and did a lot of things that he should not have done and i always heard stories about him growing up and being mischievous and whatever so yeah be be good but if you can't be good don't get caught yeah it's a it's a staple for me yeah um this is kind of intense yeah. Um maybe we should take a little uh break for uh the sake of levity. Okay. okay. Um I kind of want to talk about our fur babies. I mean, okay. you guys.
1: So here's what happened. <laughs> um I got
0: a you guys know, I've talked about Bowie before. I've gotten a puppy. He's a year and 5 months old and the week after I had him, you know, get the big chop. We found out that Bowie actually got one of his kennel mates pregnant. And so, oops, oops, (laughs) um, my neutered dog had a litter of puppies with his kennel mate. And they were so freaking cute. And then Jessica kind of fell in love with pup.
1: It was bad, y'all. I mean, mean, by bad, I mean amazing. And it was love at first sight. So, yeah, we both have new puppies, Um, Bowie and Ruthie
0: father and baby dog. And so the puppy report this week, I guess, is really all centered around um, Bowie's learning to play. He is. And I'm so proud of him. He is a rescue. Um, When I first got him, he was very defensive. He definitely growled at people and other animals a lot. Um, He had been very sheltered before he uh, came to my house. And so I guess chronicling this week, I'm just really excited because he and Ruthie have started uh, playing and running and rolling with each other. He is not really into, I guess this is the second week in a row that we've gone to the dog park. He rides, um, my husband and I have bicycles. We ride the bike to the dog park. We, Aubrey pulls him in the trailer behind <laughs> us. Um, and he is not really into playing with other dogs just just yet. He ignores them, kind of like, I don't know who you are, and I don't think you're cool enough to play with me right now. <laughs> and he sniffs around. Um, so he's not into playing with the other dogs, but he is definitely warming up to playing with Ruthie, and I am so grateful. I know.
1: My, my baby... Little Ruthie, um, she loves him she does. because the other dogs so far that she's been around have been way mm. bigger dogs Right. that, um, honestly, I'm scared for her life. Like, she's like three and a half pounds. Yeah, guys. She's, she's literally tiny. three and a half pounds right now. And, um, four months old, she just turned four months oh old God. on the 16th. And, you know, um, my parents have like a pit bull mix and, She's a sweet dog, but she's just ginormous compared to Ruthie. And so when she wants to play, I'm literally nervous for Ruthie's life because I'm like, you know, there's not a mean bone in her body, but she could accidentally hurt her. Of course. So when I bring Ruthie over to your house and Bowie's there, I think Ruthie is like this is more my speed y'all yes I got this let's play
0: and I'm not sure <laughs> if they realize that they're parent and child but there seems to be like some kind of like bond between yes, them they
1: are already very bonded yes and familiar. where
0: they're gentle with each other yeah. and playful with each other um so yeah puppy report this week hooray um hooray really for growth I'm not gonna lie I'm actually most excited because then when I go out of town I can leave Bowie with you and when you go out of town you can leave Ruthie with, with me Absolutely. and this means we have built-in babysitters for our dogs which makes things so much easier yes. in the uh, dog rearing section.
1: Absolutely. So, yay. Puppy report. Puppy report. Yes. Mm. Um, so let's start wrapping this up a little bit and talk about these impossible standards. Impossible <laughs> standards. <laughs> you know, I think that growing up as a young woman, it, where's the line? And how do you balance being a good girl being a bad girl? being available but not a slut. Right. Be pretty be, but be, don't try too hard. Right. And you shouldn't be dumb but you can't be too smart. Like right. you're not supposed to make a man feel dumb, inferior you know, like right. yeah. Um, you know, I just oh, you got to you got to be a good cook
0: but you can't gain any weight.
1: Right. You know, like uh you should be the fun
0: party girl but don't be a hot mess. Like right. there's so many Back and forth between the good girl, the bad girl, where do I fit and who's in this conversation in the first place? You know, it's kind of, um, I realize so much that the way that I connect to uh, men of authority in my life is very different than the way that I might connect to, um, younger men. Mm-hmm. that are, you know, too too young for me, you know? Right. That that's a totally different relationship even though I'm married and I'm not trying to get with any other men, <laughs> it still changes I, my yes. behavior with them and that Absolutely. is so that's so much part of that good girl bad girl
1: complex. Which so when we're talking about these standards of being too much this or not enough this, I think my question at the end of the day is, so have, are any of them really that good or that bad? No. Exactly. So live your life, y'all, just, just be yourself. And I say we need to scrap like the good girl, bad girl. I'm with it. Like Like, it just, it needs to end and society needs to stop making women choose. Well,
0: and that's this idea of indoctrinating women into being one or the other. I'm really in, you know, we talk a lot about age and how old we were or how old we are like, I am, it's so interesting being in early forties, I'm more and more disconnected from the idea of whether or not I'm being good or bad. I'm just being Laurie. Right. And that girl is multifaceted. Some days she is good. Some days she is bad. Some days she is wild. Some days she is quiet. You know, like sometimes that changes from minute to minute, from hour to hour. Like you just are organically who you are. And whether or not you're good or bad doesn't have anything to do with you. Right. That is all outside noise. Right. That's people's projection of who they think you are.
1: Right. And, you know, I think that also leads into this idea that, you know, we talked about how we grew up in really great households. And I don't think that our families or anyone else's families were maliciously putting this like you have to be a good girl idea into our heads it is society it's not just families it oh, comes no. at you from all everywhere fronts yeah that it comes from magazines tv politics i mean it everywhere comes from you turn there are messages being sent to young girls even young boys yes. about you know these poor boys you know like you can't cry you have to be a man and you know all that but be bullshit. sensitive and right. you know like, like yeah. So, you know, I just think it's coming from all angles and we have to be way more aware of it. If we want our children to grow up being like, I'll say this, my goal for my daughter, Adelaide and Adelaide one day, if you're listening to this, oh, she's going to (laughs) listen. I want her to be the person that she was meant to be before society told her who she had to be. Totally. So, and honestly, like I, I want for her to be that for more years of her life
0: than Than we've had, you know, like that the the goal is to know that at a younger age. So you have more time to know who you are and to embrace that and run with it and to celebrate the good girl and the bad girl, you know, like you're not one or the other, you're both and all of them and so much more. And that, that is not something we're trying to indoctrinate out of young people but something we're trying to celebrate with them
1: and we also need to real quickly and maybe this needs to be a part two for future episodes i think that this societal expectation creates huge codependency oh my gosh in young people and um it's not good y'all i mean I'm going to be
0: real. Like I, codependency is a term that I have been taught my whole life. Okay. I, um, I understood what it meant on the surface to be codependent, but I didn't really understand it until I'm going to say like this year.
1: Um, same because I grew up thinking that codependency was this like needy. I always have to have my boyfriend. I always have to have my friends. I always have to have this. And I always have to have that, that actually that is, I mean, that is what codependency is on the surface, surface, but it goes so much deeper than that. And Laurie and I have discovered that we are the codependency (laughs) queen, codependency Queens guys. (laughs) Like I
0: could have written the book. So codependency really is so much more rooted in this idea that it's not that I need you so I can be happy. It's that I need you to be okay. So I can be happy. Oof. And so if I walk into a room and I can see that someone, usually someone of influence, that I care about their opinion or their um, happiness one way or the other, if I can see that they're not okay, then I will change who I am so they can be okay. Absolutely. Yeah. So you're constantly taking the temperature of the people around you and how can I change me so they are okay? And it's made me a bit of a peacemaker in my adult life and people pleaser people pleaser sure. yeah, yeah big time like if i can and a lot of times in my work life so much of my success at work is based on my team and all my people's being okay so what can i do to make you guys okay right now if i can see or i can feel that things aren't okay then i'll start taking actions to make you okay
1: right because if you're not okay then i'm not okay and right. then i'm a wreck and then and then everything's a mess and then everything's you know down the drain from and there. so in relationships that is
0: toxic, you know, yeah. where you're constantly reading other people's behavior as a reflection of what you can do to make them better or okay. Yeah. And um, I feel
1: like that is a really heavy subject that we're going to have to, it's a at. whole nother episode guys. <laughs> um, but yeah, but we did want to introduce that idea and maybe something for you guys to, we want to hear what you think about it because yeah. This idea that our good girl, bad
0: girl complex kind of spun off into our people pleaser, codependent adult worlds was a revelation um, yeah, for I me. I mean,
1: very, very recently, Laurie and I were like, oh my God, we're, we're This so explains everything, right? <laughs>
0: like, Yeah. Um, and honestly, like I'm so connected to this idea that awareness is the way that you overcome things that you're not um, totally into, you know, like I don't want to be chronically codependent and relationships and all of that in my life. So being aware of my behaviors is helping me grow around that a little bit. So maybe we start a dialogue about like, do you guys feel like you're codependent in some areas of your world? If you do feel that way, what does that look like to you? And what uh, cues are you trying to notice that will help you work around that?
1: Yeah. um, You should DM us um, on our Instagram. It is at... Badass, Badass Ladies, Ladies Club. Club. So, DMS, Tell DMS us on your experience. thoughts. Um, There's also a Facebook page. You can go yes. like Badass Ladies
0: Club on Facebook. Uh, Badassladiesclub.com is available for you guys to check out and to listen to episodes and give us some feedback about um, these topics and kind of uh, yeah. what your take is on it. Yeah, so. I well done, man. Uh, like, I feel good about uh, bad girl, good girl. So. I want to hear, are you guys the good girl or are you the bad girl? Tell us. What are you more uh, identified with? And this is not just about girls. Like, I want to hear about boys, too. Like, are you the good boy? Are you the bad boy? I don't care where you are on the spectrum. Like, whoever you are, whatever you, like. Bring it. Bring it. We want to hear it. Uh, You guys have a badass day. And uh, well done, badass ladies.
1: Thank you, guys.